Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode 124 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Autumn Cumlin. Autumn is from Milton, Wisconsin, where she is a registered dietitian and nutritionist for Stoughton Health. Welcome, Autumn. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jen. I'm so happy to be able to talk to you today. Well, I am so glad to have you here. I love to talk to someone that's in the the health community, especially a dietitian slash nutritionist, because with the large Facebook groups that I have, very frequently we'll have a member who says something like, I just met with my nutritionist and she said, oh, don't do fasting. Don't do that. (laughs) And, And so I love to have somebody like you that is a fan of fasting. That's great. I'm excited to talk to everybody about it today. And I too got my big buy-in when I started hearing some of your guests that were in the medical field. Well, you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Okay, I'll give you a little bit of backstory. Growing up, I'm the youngest of six, so um, I was always fairly average child, especially up until about third grade. Then about third grade, that's about the first time that I noticed, I must have had a growth spurt, I started becoming taller than all my friends, bigger than my friends. Um, It was also the first time that I actually remember my mom having to buy me pants from the, with the elastic waistband from the JCPenney catalog. It never seemed to be anything an issue with my family. You know, my parents never said anything to me about my weight or, you know, ever made me feel like there was something wrong. But that's kind of the, when looking back, I do remember that. And I also remember asking my mom a book I saw at a bookstore. It was called 
Thin Kids, the Proven Healthy Sensible Weight Loss Program for Children. And that was by Mindy Cohen and Louis Abrahamson with Ruth Winter. And I actually still have the book because as a nutritionist, I (laughs) saved things. When did that come out? When did that book come out? 85, I believe, was the year that that came out. So based upon that and you know how old I am, I was figuring it was about that timing that I kind of got my hands on this book. What I liked about it is there were our pictures of children, average looking children doing some physical activity and exercises, jumping jacks and sit-ups and typical things like that. And I remember doing some of these exercises on my own. So that was kind of probably, I would think, the beginning of it. And again, nothing that I felt like anybody had said to me or that I needed to, to do. But for myself, I thought, probably seeing that, well, I am bigger, I'm taller than all the rest of my friends, you know, I I better do something about this. Yeah, I guess weight always seemed to be on my mind, even to thinking back of Easter holidays. I remember putting my Easter candy in a little box and kind of portioning it out and only allowing myself to have so many pieces to prevent myself from overindulging. Luckily, none of that behavior became any an eating disorder or anything along those lines. It just seemed to be something I was aware of. My mom had done tops, <laughs> taking off pounds sensibly. You know, yeah, I knew I knew what that stood <laughs> yeah. for. Is, is that is that a Christian weight loss program? No, I think not? it's just. I, maybe uh, I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, and they probably have a variation of it, but she still is a member to this day. But she's done that, and I remember years ago, you know, some fast seeing that in the house or seeing oh, um, yeah. the micro diet where they would send you this little freeze-dry packet and then you added water to it, reconstituted it, and cooked it. I never saw that one. The micro diet? Yeah, the micro diet. That sounds really yucky. (laughs) Yeah. And I would have to say, I think when she was done with it, I probably sampled some of it and have to agree. I think it was pretty yucky. Yeah. So some of those things. So she was always conscious about it as well. And that's probably where my interest in it came. Then around middle school time, probably about eighth grade, I remember doing the cabbage soup diet with my mom. That was kind of a big thing then. Nothing that she asked me to do. I just wanted to do it with her. I remember, you know, a tuna and beets and a scoop of vanilla ice cream in the evening. And to this day, I cannot eat beets. It just (laughs) (laughs) is something that just brings back that diet in particular, but I just cannot eat eat any beets. Yeah, I would not eat cabbage soup. I went through that phase too. I did the, I made the giant pot of it. Yes. And I swear, I I think I would make it like two meals and then I would throw it away. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But you can eat all you want. (laughs) All you want. Yeah. Well, that's how much I wanted. (laughs) Yes. Very true. It, It didn't last very long, to say the least. So, and then at one point, I do remember even having still the slip on it, but Uh, physical that I had seeing my pediatrician, I think it was maybe around eighth grade. um, And I noted on that sheet, the doctor had written my weight 205. And And that's in eighth grade. Yeah. And even though I almost five, seven still, you know, I'm thinking like, wow, that's a, (laughs) that's a lot. My dad used to call me Amazon girl because I was big, you know, tall and I seemed to carry my weight fairly well, so it didn't seem like anybody was concerned about it. The doctor never said to my mom, you need to do something about this. It just, it never became anything that anyone kind of pushed me in a certain direction about my weight. So then fast forwarding a little bit, by the time I graduated high school, I was about 175. And so I I think it just, you know, normal growing up, changing puberty, all that stuff. Uh, you know, I was really big into show choir and marching band and all that stuff. So it was pretty active in that sense. But definitely, you know, 175 and 5'7 still is bigger. So between my freshman and sophomore year of college, my mom had joined Weight Watchers and she used the point system and she lost a, a, quite a significant amount of weight. We always joke she lost her mind because then she bought a convertible too right after that. Oh gosh, <laughs> she felt so good. She, she was free she there. <laughs> exactly. So I came home and I was all so amazed how she looked and I kind of mimicked what she had done and looked at all our materials. And by the time I went back to school my sophomore year, um, I was down to 137 pounds. Wow. Now that is pretty low. It is. And, And especially for me, and it was something that was not 
in order to stay that keep that, I joined Jazzercise. I would exercise almost two, three hours a day. I tracked every little thing I put in my mouth. I mean, very high fiber because that's what that plan was based on. Everything was was great. Kind of saw a size six for, you know, a very brief moment. What year was that? That was probably 98. Okay. I was just asking because, you know, the size six, when I was in college, I was a size eight, but that was the probably the equivalent of today's size two because they cha- yes, have changed absolutely. them. So 1998, that, that puts that in perspective. That's so funny that you said that because same thing happened to me right after my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. I went home, had put on some weight as a freshman and between freshman and sophomore year. I was counting calories, doing a lot of dieting, yeah. got real thin, but it was the whole counting calories time for me. But yeah, Weight Watchers did it for you. So yeah, 137 pounds is tiny for 5'7". Yeah, it was uh, definitely uh, interesting. I never remembered being that weight. I never, it was almost like, oh, 205 to 175 to wow, 137. And so like I said, it didn't come easy to maintain. And once I went back to school, I started focusing on my studies again and Noticed staying up late, wasn't a soda drinker, so I would like snack on cornflakes because it was plain and boring and I really didn't like them anyway. But, you know, as a result of doing that simple carbohydrate continuously, my weight started going back up. And then uh, by, um, it was up to like 159 by then. At that time, I decided that I would join Weight Watchers on my own. I would go do it. I would go weigh in. I'd do all the steps that I needed to do. And I did get my weight back down to 147, sometimes as low as 144. But looking back at some of the records, it really didn't seem to stay there very long. It kind of even rose up between 2000 and 2005, anywhere from 152 to 159. So that kind of seemed to be where my body had settled and and where I I stayed. So uh, fast forward, got married around 2002. In 2006, we were expecting our first child. Things didn't really go as planned. You know, you go in for those first appointments and then no heartbeat. They do ultrasounds. And then we found out that it was ending a miscarriage quite early, but it was twins. So we were kind of like, oh my gosh, we really wanted twins. And, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. So, but we were fortunate to get pregnant fairly soon after that and and had a daughter that was due in June of 2007. And so everything went fairly well with that and pretty textbook, I would say. And then I ended up gaining the 35, you know, the high end of the recommended at that point for that pregnancy. But it took me 2007 when she was born until 2010 to even get back down to the 152, 159 range. So it took me forever. I nursed both my children, but never was the people that say, oh, I nursed and the weight just melted right off, you know, (laughs) never. No. How close together were your two kids? So um, my very first one in 2007 and fast forward almost six years, we have a 2013. So it took us a a long time. I was thinking that happened in that 2007 to 2010 frame, but no, 2013 was the second. Yeah, My body did not bounce back very well after the second. It, it bounced back much better after the first. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. I've got some of that too. So yeah, in between those, the two, because it took so long, then I ended up having what they call a molar pregnancy. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've heard of it, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, it's where your two sperm fertilize one egg at the exact same time. So if you think about some other multiple chromosomes kind of thing. So it had double of everything. So it, it's it's something that was never going to go on. But the downside of it is that it mimics all of normal pregnancy symptoms. So you get HCG levels rise, you get morning oh sickness. I mean, it's the whole shebang. And throughout all of that, because it's the way they consider it, it's like a rapidly growing tissue. By the time I found out about that, it was not going to obviously become a child. They had to do, after we had to have it, you know, DNC kind of thing, but they ended up having to do blood tests. And that took like eight months for my HCG levels to drop normal. Because it really confused your body. It did. It really confused your body. And because they consider that a rapidly growing tissue, they classify that as could metastasize into a cancer 
So they want to make sure that you do not get pregnant during a time of which that's happening in your body. So, you know, I had to go on birth control and I had to do all these blood tests. You know, I started joking with the lab tech. I said, we're becoming old friends. See you next Friday. Cause we'd get, it was like every week going in for blood draws. And so between, you know, the first child and that, you know, there was a lot of that going on and still my weight wasn't getting back to pre-pregnancy weight with my daughter. And so, um, Shortly then after that, when we got the clear, we were expecting our son, which was born in um, February of 2013. And same thing, once that happened, you know, it was textbook. I gained the 35 pounds again. His, again, like you said, the second child, it took a lot longer for for that weight to come out off. I was 178 after delivering with him. And then even after nursing him for 15 months, I only got down to 171. I mean, it's just like, very wow. minimal. Yeah. So yeah, four years later, finally, my weight got down to 157. I'm a, a dietitian. So it's, I felt like I knew everything I need to do. I, you know, I'd exercise, I'd eat right. And my weight just wouldn't budge. There was no amount of movement that I could do. And it was almost like, okay, well, I guess this is kind of where I'm going to be because I can't, I can't get it to, to do anything of all the ways I know for it to healthfully come off. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. What we were taught, you were successful in Weight Watchers. I was successful with counting calories. We were just taught, eat less, move more. It will happen. If it's not happening, you're counting wrong. You're not doing something right. You're lying. You know, that all those thoughts. That This math has got to work out, right? That's what we're taught. Exactly. Yeah, especially as dietitians, that's exactly what you're taught. We preach that to all of our patients. And then when they're not having the success that you expect them to have, you're wondering if they're indulging in a glass of wine before bed that they're forgetting to tell you about or that there's certain things or or you think are you know are they truly doing this do they truly want this so yeah it goes against everything that we've been taught we just don't we're kind of at a loss of how else to help them so then moving fast forward from April of 2017 to October of 2017 to 2018 this is a point in time that I started noticing my weight just started increasing it just kept getting higher and higher to a point it was 175. And ironically, that happened to be the year that I turned 40. It was right before I was turning 40. And looking at the weight charts on, on my own graphing of you have being a religious weigher, seeing it just increase and increase, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It's like, what more can I do? I'm not doing anything different yet. My weight just keeps escalating. And so again, I tried everything that I knew 
was the right way to do. I've never been a person that really jumps on fad diets with them, maybe that cabbage soup diet, but that was never, your mom. You know. she, she's the one who got you in that one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So then to actually the point at which where I got to intermittent fasting, where that entered my life, that was about late November of 2018. My husband likes to listen to Joe Rogan interviews. He was doing an interview with Rhonda Patrick, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and she was referencing some work that was done by Sachin Panda in regards to time-restricted eating and intermittent fasting. And so, you know, at first he was like, you need to watch this. And I'm, I'm, you know, as a dietitian, as I mentioned, I've always, oh, like, this is crazy. Why do people do that? That's close to starving. But as I sat there and I listened to what they had to say, you know, how they talk about people because they always, whether have a, you know, sugary beverage or always have something and they're eating every, you know, four to six small times a day or whatever it may be. I kind of looked at the timing of the first meal in the morning until I went to bed, you know, maybe packing lunches at night and having a cracker or two. And the time span in which I was eating spanned over 15 hours. And I was like, wow, that is huge. And so that is the point that it was like, okay, maybe there is some truth to this. I'll just, I'll I'll be the experiment of one. (laughs) I'll track my weight every day. I will just start at an intermittent fasting window about, I kind of aimed for nine hours, nine to 10 hours of um, eating window because they were looking at some studies where people that had been eating only in a nine-hour window and the amount of energy that they had the next day when they were running or doing certain physical activities. And so I kind of thought maybe that was a, a nice, sweet spot to be at. So that was kind of my goal. So being a busy parent, as most, you know, I, I my eating window would fluctuate between seven and 11 and a half hours each day. And so that's where I started. And by end of November 2018 till January 2020, finally, like 10 pounds. I I lost 10 pounds. I I got down to 164. I looked at my, I would use the Lose It app and I track all my weight. And it was just almost each day I'd step on the scale, be down, down, almost, almost unbelievable. I'm like, how, how long is this going to last? You know, let's ride this out and see, see how long this, this lasts. So then I finally, having lost some weight, you know, I started tweaking that window, that eating window a little bit and fluctuating between you know, six and nine hours. And then I lost another seven pounds and then it was down to about 157. And that kind of stayed the same until about October of 2019. At that point, I already had it downloaded. We had downloaded it for a trip, but I never had an opportunity to listen to the podcast. And so my husband had put them on my phone and I thought, well, I'm, you know, I have a 35 minute commute each way to work. Let's start listening to these. And so that's when I started listening to your intermittent fasting stories. Um, and that's why I first heard of you. I have to say, you're, I really love your Southern drawl. My, oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> you're welcome. My brother lives in Oklahoma and he has since he was 18 and he's now going to be 52. And, you know, he, he definitely he's sounds got a Southern like he's, accent. Yes. Here's a yep. funny story. I got an email from somebody. I mean, they must have taken a lot of time. Someone who listened to Fast Feast Repeat on Audible. They went to my website, found how to contact me, sent me a message just to tell me how much they hate my Southern accent. And I'm like, thank you for the feedback. It's just how I talk. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know this person. They're obviously not a podcast listener, but they took all the time. So it, I, it may, thank you for saying you like it because <laughs> that just happened a few weeks ago. But I was like, gosh, that took a lot of energy. She really wanted me to know. But what's also ironic is, you know, I almost didn't get a chance to record it because of the pandemic was going on when it was time to record it. So I was supposed to go to Atlanta and I couldn't travel. And so we weren't sure if I could record it from home with the McMillan people on the phone with me, which we actually ended up doing. But they're like, well, we have a backup person. If you can't do it, we found someone with a Southern accent to read it if you can't. So whoever didn't like it, it was going to be Southern either way. (laughs) That's right. And, and, you know, you can't base it off of, of one feedback, you know, you can't change everything based off of that, obviously. <laughs> but, but thank you. I just wanted to say I appreciate that you enjoy it. That made me smile. But so you started listening to the podcast in October of 2019. Correct. Yep. And that's when I started and I heard about you and then everybody's talking about your book, Delay, Don't Deny. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got, I've got to get this book. And and then heard about Jason Fung and his obesity code, diabetes code. So my husband has a blink. And so he um, downloaded those two for me. So they kind of give you the quick synopsis of the obesity code and the diabetes code, which was good, but definitely I bought the books and I read them, which was way better. <laughs> so I um, got a lot more out of it uh, with that. And also um, read 
the book you recommended, Bert Herring's Appetite Correction, that one's fantastic as well. I kind of joke within that year, I, I got through seven books, probably more than I've gotten through in the last 20 years. There was points in time, you know, when I would read some of the, the content in these books and especially, you know, the Dr. Fung's books. And I was almost brought me to tears because of how I felt almost like my education, I was duped. I, you know, I wasn't given the truth and reading about some of the studies of, oh, why breakfast is the most important meal of the day and who it's funded by. And it, it just, it really got me thinking and, and realizing that we have done no service to help people with this problem that we have, this obesity problem and diabetes problem. More and more adults and children are getting diagnosed with it. It's it's not so much, a, you know, my husband kind of says, you know, it's a disease of, of obesity. I mean, having diabetes, it's people that get type two. It's because they've not taken care of themselves in that regard. But the thought that it is chronic and there's no fix and we just progressively get worse. I truly, we believe that it, that's false. I mean, there's been evidence to show that. Well, I read a very interesting journal article yesterday that I had not read before. Kim Rains, who's one of my moderators, and I just her podcast just came out right before we we had this one scheduled to record. We're recording at the end of September. It was something she shared. It was I can't remember what journal it was in, and I can't remember the title of it. But she shared it in the in the Facebook group, and it was about mm-hmm. have we got it wrong? It was something along the title of that, and it was talking about how doctors monitor your A one C. And that's how we're deciding if someone is on the road to bad health by monitoring A1C. But the whole point of this article is maybe we should be monitoring insulin levels. And I'm like, are they really just asking? (laughs) That was the whole point of the article. Like, actually, fasting insulin levels do a better job predicting it before your A1C goes out of whack. And I'm like, I can't believe that, that this is just being asked. You're right. It is. In fact, my husband's scheduled for a follow up and I said to him after listening to Kim Rain's interview, I said, you need to send a message to your doctor and you need to have them get your insulin levels. So he did. And then he gets a response back saying, oh, yeah, they're going to do your glucose levels. And I said, no, I had to go back in. I said, to clarify, we're asking for insulin levels. We want to fasting insulin levels. Fasting insulin levels. The whole premise of this journal article also was that there's very little research out there. They, it was they were they did a literature review as part of this journal article, and they're like, we found this and this, but there wasn't that much, and we think we we're testing the wrong thing. That was the premise. And blood glucose is so interesting because I wore a continuous blood glucose monitor for a week as part of the Predict Three study, and. It was incredible how much my blood glucose varied, whether I had a cup of coffee, but when I woke up in the morning and if I jumped on the trampoline, you know, it would go up and down. And so I think, you know, if someone had captured my blood glucose at this point of the day, it would have been so much higher than if they'd have captured it at that point of the day, but I was still in the fasted state. So that that goes up and down in such a range. That was eye-opening. You're not just, you know, like at 92, 92, right. 92. You constant. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. And it goes up and down. And, you know, if you go to your doctor's office, run up a flight of stairs, your liver might dump out some some glycogen. Now your blood glucose is up. They test your, you know, your fasting blood glucose. They're like, oh, it's high. You're pre-diabetic. You're like, really, 10 minutes ago, it would have been at a different. It, it's just so interesting how what we're what we're using as markers of health. Right. Yeah. And I think even Dr. Fung talked about that in his book about we're so concerned with treating the blood glucose and looking at where that level is in your, and we're like, oh, well, you're in good ranges, but it's like, yeah, but what about what we're doing with it? It's going into the cells. It's killing, it's damaging our body. It's killing our eyesight, our, you know, our kidneys, our heart. And it's like, why are we not concerned about what's really happening here? Just so we see, you know, good numbers in the blood that, like you said, that can fluctuate all day long. Right. It was very eye-opening to see what made it fluctuate and the things that caused it to, you know, I had some surprises. Some things I wasn't expecting. Like I took a supplement and then it went way up at bedtime. I'm like, what happened there? That was crazy. I wasn't expecting that. So anyway, it was fascinating to think of all the things that have affected. But I'm glad your husband's getting his fasting insulin. So the doctor didn't give him pushback. 
once uh, no. he figured out what you were finally, really asking. Finally, she said, okay, like, like repeated it. So I'm like, okay, she understood it now, but it took a couple messages for them to understand. No, I wasn't asking for the typical that you do every time. I'm really, we're really asking for something different. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, we're excited and I can talk more about him too, but he jumped on board with me as well. And so he had gotten diagnosed with uh, type two diabetes late November of 2018 Initially, he just changed his eating habits because he's an IT guy, as you probably figured out. They're used to working in cubicles and, you know, they work long hour days. They go out to lunch. That's how they network with their team. And, you know, they eat the breakfast that the big work company provides. And so that and staying awake with high, you know, diet, but caffeinated beverages, especially like, you know, Diet Dew, that just really played a toll on his body. And if just stopping the the Diet Dew and making his own salads and not going out to lunch anymore and, you know, making his own breakfast. He was able to, within the first four months, bring an A1C of 11.4 down to five. Wow. And was he also, he was fasting at that time too? No, uh, he hadn't started the fasting. Truly, he was supportive of it, but himself until about December of like 2019, I would say. So um, with going on with him too, he he has overall lost 87 pounds. Wow. And Good so, job, Chad. Her husband's <laughs> name is Chad as well. <laughs> yep. So he he does, and, and he does an alternate day. So he does an alternate day fasting, but it's more of a 4-3. He kind of he does a hybrid of that. So um, yeah, so he's doing really well with that. But just goes to show you that it is truly more about diet and the fasting has really helped him. So he's really excited going back in for his next appointment because now he has been fasting for a while and to see if he can go off metformin completely. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I, such a great feeling. I know he feels so much better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that just, it, it is amazing. And for him, it was interesting too, because he would talk about how he used to think that, oh, my blood sugar is going low and I need a snack. And he realized how much of it is mental and not, you know, physical need. I found watching that on my my blood glucose monitor, my blood glucose recovered very nicely. It would go down and then my, my body took care of it. It would go up. It was just a nice little gentle curve. Yeah. Fascinating to watch. I also really think that the continuous blood glucose monitor is a tool that if we gave it to people early, people who were not diabetic, because you can, can't get it. You can't get a prescription for one unless you have a diagnosis. But really, we could prevent so many of these issues if people saw what was happening. Right. You'd be like, oh, I have a, a problem in the making. You know, you would see it with those those cycles up and down and before it's too late. Oh, absolutely. They kind of get a warning. Oh, you're pre-diabetic. And it's like, well, what does that mean? You do, you didn't send me home with anything. You didn't tell me to do anything. You just say, oh, you're pre-diabetic. That's when someone needs a glucose monitor, a continuous blood glucose monitor. They need fasting insulin checked. That, I mean, really, I think that could nip it in the bud. Yep. I agree. I agree. We need to get onto these things sooner than later and and get people to see what's really happening because then they can get that, you know, buy-in when they have that knowledge. Well, it's good to see the conversation occurring. Just this morning, I think some of the moderators of the group said we have a chat and one of them was talking about how her father-in-law went to the doctor. I think it was her father-in-law was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. The endocrinologist said, Intermittent fasting. <laughs> you need to you need to start intermittent fasting, and and that was fabulous to hear. Oh, that is. You know that it's coming through the medical community and and starting to be recommended. And then on the other hand, you have someone who'll be in the group. They're like, my endocrinologist said, don't do intermittent fasting. You're like, well, <laughs> yeah. And that's when you need to give them the books and the research and say you need you need to read. Give this. them Doctor Fung's books. That's you know they like to hear from another doctor. So the diabetes code is definitely one I would I would hand to them. Absolutely, yeah. I I would agree with you. You know, and when you had on Susanna Jouteau, the other dietitian from Canada, you know, that's when also I was really peeking up. I'm like, okay, people in the health community are, are, are starting to support this and getting even justifying more of a reason why I thought this was a good thing and, and we should continue to do this. In fact, I have a uh, ENT doc at my hospital that he spends so much time with his patients, and interestingly, I didn't know, talking about intermittent fasting, is he does it as well, um, and has for the last eight months, that when he, I do a presentation, we just started doing it the last three months on intermittent fasting, it's living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and we do it via Zoom now since COVID. I, very heavily, it's based upon your book and Dr. Fung's book, 
a lot of information is, is presented exactly if they would read your book, which I highly recommend and give you credit for, but I want them to know there's resources out there. And then these is, this is what I'd recommend. Go get these top five books, read these books. This is how you do it. This is why we're recommending it. These are the health benefits associated with it. And so I'm trying to get people interested in it. And so he saw the screen on the TV as he was heading towards the cafeteria with this advertisement of my class. And he called me and must have talked for over an hour and a half about intermittent fasting and how his jaw has dropped several times in the things he's read. And I need someone to refer my patients to because I can't spend so much time in the office with them. And I'm so happy to know that you do it so that, you know, there's somebody that, you know, else that we can refer to. So we're, although my hospital doesn't have an outpatient dietitian, that's something that we're, we're talking about. That's amazing. I love the idea that we had a, there's a local medical weight loss company that, that wanted to partner up with me a while back. And I, I turned it down because they also use diet pills and medications. And I'm like, I, I just can't, I can't, I would love to help you develop something with intermittent fasting, but I'm not going to get on board with diet pills, you know, but they're like, that's what people want. I'm like, all right, I'm not going <laughs> to, that is, I know that's what people want because that's what I wanted way back in the day. I went looking for, you know, prescription diet pills and I got them. But um, to have a program that is not say, here's the diet pill and do some fasting. No. Right, right. You don't need all that. Just <laughs> You don't need fast. all that. Your your body will take care of your appetite. That appetite suppressant pill that you think is helping you is actually hurting your natural appetite hormones. It's making it worse for your body. But I love the idea of, of clinics just helping people let their bodies do the work. Absolutely. And when I started doing this, you know, I was obviously my husband and I, and I really wasn't sharing it with too many people because, you know, I'm the dietitian and you're like, right. <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> and so I was at a, um, a holiday, just a really small gathering. It was my manager, my co-manager and a couple of, of other close um, employees and coworkers that our main manager kind of manages. So it was only like eight of us. And somebody asked a question in regards to diabetes and to somebody else. And they said, well, ask Autumn. She's right here. And I kind of had that moment, like, if I say what I do, it's out of the box. Like, if I do it, this is it. There's no turning back. If I tell them what I do and what I would recommend to treat these symptoms of the diabetes type 2 that they have. And so I did. I just like, okay, here goes. And I told them what I did. And one of them is head of HR at the hospital and another one is a doctor himself. And you're talking about a lot of professions here. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to hear this, maybe things I don't want to hear, but it was amazing. You know, they were almost like, I felt like kids at Christmas time hearing the Christmas story, like leaning in and just hearing what I had to say. And they were really interested in it. And then anyone said, you know, how can we haven't heard of this? And I said, because there's no money in it. Right. When was this conversation? When did this happen? This would have been um, around probably December 2019, this past Christmas. The reason I'm asking is because you know what happened December 26th of 2019, that New England Journal of Medicine article came out. So that's the turning point, I think, right there for the medical profession. Now, if anyone's like... I think it's not good. Say, oh, you must not read the New England Journal of Medicine. Yes, and that, and that has been a wonderful piece to have. Yep. Yeah, right. It's a fabulous tool. And the thing that thrilled me, I've said this before, when that article came out, people were joining the Facebook group. And instead of saying, you know, usually, you know, like, why are you want to join the group? People say, I want to lose weight. But right after that article came out and it was on all the, the news channels, people were saying, I want to be healthy. I want to you know, increase my longevity. And so instead of weight loss, they were looking at as health benefits. Absolutely. And that's the thrilling shift that I, I hope continues. You're exactly right. And I think once people, you know, as you say, it, it's the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. It truly is. There's so many, so many factors that can be corrected and fixed by fasting that you won't have to take all these pills and medications and all these other things that we think we need to take to treat this. Our bodies are smart. They're not stupid. They want us to survive at all costs. And, and by helping our body get back to what it was designed to do by fasting, you know, we can help take care of a lot of these things and, and not you know, continue to suffer for them. You said something really important. Our bodies are smart. And we actually had somebody in, in one of the groups this past week who went to, I think it was a nutritionist, who said that if you're fasting, your body is going to devour your muscles mm -hmm. and your heart is a muscle. And so it's going to use up your heart. 
We're like, I was like, no. <laughs> Do you really think that your body is going to choose your heart as a good source of energy when you have excess fat right. on your body? Right, exactly. Does that even make sense? But th- she was told that by by a dietitian. I would like to clarify, there are registered dietitians are nutritionists, but nutritionists are not dietitians. I'm not sure what okay. this person's <laughs> qualifications were. It was something so, along yes, those and, lines. And I'm not saying there isn't dietitians, registered dietitians that wouldn't say that because, again, it's based off of, of, of training and what we think logically is going to happen. But we know better. That's that's really not what's going to happen. Like you said, if you have all these fat stores on board, you know, it's, it's going to tap into those before it ever taps into your other you know, muscles and things that are important. It's not eating your organs. It's not using your liver. It's not eating up your whatever, your lungs. Oh, no, I fasted for so long. My lungs got all gone. It's going to take too much energy. It's not going to do that. Yeah, but I'm still overweight, but I have my lungs. I mean, that's not how how the body works. But our bodies are smart, and we've got all these things. You know, the fat stores are there for a reason. We just have to teach our bodies how to tap into them. Exactly. And like you said, you know, we... We constantly, as a society, are always drinking on something, sipping on something, something that is spiking our insulin all day long. Well, why would our body ever need to tap into anything if we constantly get a grumble and we feed it or get a grumble and we drink it? I mean, there's it, there's never an opportunity or a chance for it to do what it is designed to do. Exactly. And so it, it's just really amazing, like I said, when we get out of our, our body's way and let it do what it's designed yeah. to do. It's amazing. <laughs> so you mentioned you started, you got down through to 157, October of 2019. What's happened since then? How's your weight been with your fasting? Yeah. Around that time in October, I kind of um, kind of hit a plateau around that time from, I would say, that lasted until that point in time. I was really ramping up listening to the podcast. I would hear people say, oh, they do a 20... 20 hour fast for our eating window. And I'm thinking, that is crazy. I remember coming home and telling my husband, I mean, I believe this stuff, but I'm like, that's pushing it, you know? And then by accident, you know, I had a very busy day at work. I wasn't able to eat my brunch, kind of my oatmeal that I typically would do like I was doing up until that point. And I looked at the clock and I was already into a 22 hour fast. And I was like, wow. I didn't die and I don't feel hungry. Like this is really weird. So for me, I was like, okay, well, that wasn't hard at all. Let's let's run with this for a while. So then I started doing, um, aiming for that 20 hour fast, the four hour eating window. Sometimes depending on where I had to run kids, you know, it would be 23.5 hour fast. It kind of would vary quite a bit, but finally weight started. I broke that plateau and the weight started moving again. So I got down to about 140, 143 once the quarantine happened about April. And I kind of lessened up a little bit when we first started getting into it because, you know, you're home all day, you know, I'll do an 18.6. And so I did that for a little while, but then I just started feeling like this just doesn't feel as good to me. So I decided to go back to that 20-hour fast. And that that really seemed to, to be kind of the sweet spot for me. That's really what I've kind of started doing lately because I haven't been drinking wine <laughs> at home. That has naturally shortened my window. Yeah, long enough, but not too long that you can get in a lot of trouble. But uh, it just, yeah, it seems to be a really good spot. And so, yeah, that really did help. And as I mentioned, I was working remotely 100% from mid-March until mid-June. And in that time frame, I had only lost maybe three pounds. But when I went back to work, it was like, even though there was not a lot of people there, but whoever I saw was like, oh my gosh, you know, you've lost a lot of weight where nobody had really said anything to me up to that point, you know, up to the quarantine, nobody had really commented or said anything. And it was just like those three pounds. But, but what I noticed those three pounds is where I saw the most body recompositioning. That was really where I noticed it. My husband noticed it. Friends noticed it. It was just like, that was the point at which my family started saying stuff. And it was like, okay, guys, I've really lost three pounds. Like, this is really not a big deal. But it just seemed to be the point at which it really was evident. Three pounds of fat. If it was, you could have even lost more than three pounds of fat if you built some muscle in there. But if it was just even three pounds of fat, that's huge. It takes up a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think it because it sounds so, you know, minute, but it, it, yeah, it, it definitely made a big difference for sure. 
That's awesome. Now, how do you eat? What what foods do you love? What foods work well for you? I love to hear from someone with your medical background what you like to eat. Yeah, other um, than beets, not yeah, beets. yeah. Don't I don't do the beets. <laughs> um, I I definitely tend to make healthier choices, but I'm not going to say I, I deny anything. I mean, during quarantine, I had to laugh to my husband. I said, I think we've eaten more ice cream in the last three months than I have in, in the last, you know, 10 years. So I definitely don't deny if I really want it, but, you know, my go-to, I really like, um, you know, nuts and trail mix. So that's t- typically, you know, I'll have that. I'm really big into making my own yogurt. So I really enjoy that. So I typically, you know, make a meal with my family, you know, if we grill food out on the on the grill or vegetables, salads, we try to incorporate a lot of different things, but it varies. I mean, some days we're, we're doing more of a pasta meal. And some days we're doing more of a grilled meat kind of thing. But obviously as a dietitian, I try to always include all the food groups. So, you know, we, we right. You eat all the things. We try to eat all the things. And so if I kind of look at my day, I, I kind of run through it and be like, okay, well, you know, I had nuts. So I had some really good fats and some good protein and I had yogurt. Okay. I hit my dairy there. I had a salad with my dinner, I had some chicken, you know, and maybe I did have some dessert, but I try to make sure that I'm, you know, touching on at least four or five food groups to get a good balance because I've learned from your books as well as Dr. Fung's book, you know, that our, our bodies don't, they don't know calories, they know nutrients, they really know the nutrients. And that's the example of, you know, when you eat at a fast food restaurant and you eat and you're stuffed and you couldn't possibly eat another bite and you get home and then pretty soon you're looking through the fridge and cupboards for more food. And it's like, wait a minute, you just ate a whopping amount of calories. And why are you still hungry? And it's because your body didn't get what it needed. It was looking for something very different that wasn't supplied. And so it's going to keep telling you, I, I, I'm looking for something in particular. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Yeah, that, that is just so important. Dr. Fung says our bodies don't have calorie receptors, yeah. right? He uses that as part of his argument that calories is just such a flawed paradigm, which we know. Right. It's nutrients that matter. I'm like you. I feel better when I eat a whole wide variety of foods, and that includes fats from dairy yeah. and grains and vegetables. And I, I really, it really has to be well balanced. You know, sometimes people will have they will have watched some YouTube video or something, and they'll come in. They're like, "Well, I watched a video that said you have to break your fast with blank, <laughs> blank, blank." You know. <laughs> Like, no. Yeah. What feels good to you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Right. Right. And I feel best when it's well balanced, when it has a mixture. Like if I ate something that was really high fat with not much carbs, I don't think I'd feel good. If I ate something that was all carbs with no fat, I don't think I'd feel good. Yeah, I need it. I need it to be balanced with protein and fat and carbs. Like grandma said, well-balanced meal. Most definitely. And I find even I have to laugh sometimes because I find that I'm 
I feel like I'm more and more like you in many ways. Like the, the last couple of days, I broke into the cheese and crackers, you know, which we've always have, but it just been nothing that really called to me. And I'm like, you know what? That really sounds good. I just love cheese. <laughs> well, yes. And, and I live in Wisconsin. So, you know. Oh, I bet y'all have you some great have cheese. Some good cheese. So, yes. So, yeah, it's, it, I do. I listen to my body too, but I, I like a good variety. And even my husband, you know, on his up days, you know, he's was a little this, little that, you know, he's kind of all over the board because he has all these tastes and flavors and all these different things that his body that he wants. And so it's kind of a, an interesting concept of really listening to what your body is telling you. I like to have a lot of different flavors. Like when I'll open my window, I like to take a, a dinner-sized plate. And you know, this is a snack. Maybe some people would call it a meal. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> but I open my window with a dinner plate full of little things often. Like it'll have a little bit of hummus over here and then some pretzel chips and then a little strawberry jam that I'm going to put on the crackers and then some cheese and then some broccoli that I'm going to dip. You know, and I like to have just a, all those different tastes. Right. Absolutely. Instead of just sitting down with some salsa and chips. I mean, I, I, I really want that variety too. And I feel like your body does as well. Or like a, an avocado Ooh, yes. right now. I'm really into Me avocados. Too. <laughs> Me too. I, I love avocados. And I, I eat the whole thing. The whole Me too. avocado, which is a little salt <laughs> right there on the corner of the plate. Yeah, it's so good. It is one of my favorites. I, you know, the weather is starting to change. So I wonder how that'll shift what I'm oh, craving yeah, that's this true. year. But it, it does tend to happen. Maybe I'll want some soups or something. Yes, when the seasons change, more, think about more butternut squash or different things. That's funny because on Pinterest, I'm starting to flag more soups and <laughs> putting them in the files. And yeah, I'll, I'll look away maybe from the hummus because <laughs> you know it's we're we're end of September here and it's just starting to get a little chilly here in Georgia, and so I'll have to pay attention to that. It seems to happen every year. I, I look away from the avocados, and then in the spring, I'm like suddenly craving yes. them again. And they are, are so good for you. I mean, they're just delicious and. They really are. You know, the key is real foods and the predict three. You've read, you've read about the predict study with Dr. Speck, Tim Spector. I didn't read it, but I heard heard you talk about it. Yes. Oh, that's, okay. Well, fascinating stuff. I can't wait. But it was so interesting. I can't wait to get my results. They did. They tested my gut microbiome and I had to send that away. <laughs> and then also the continuous blood glucose monitor, because the idea that we have individual blood glucose responses is just so fascinating. Oh, yeah. Versus the glycemic index. So you know, figuring out what foods work for us. I could see different things that I was eating. One day I, I had this smoothie that I was trying. My blood glucose went whoop, straight up. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting versus, you know, my cheese and crackers, steady as can go. Isn't that amazing? And And that I think, as you mentioned before, you know, lends truth to how you always figured you did well with carbs. And then you, you did those tests that, that proved that you actually do. Your body does prefer them. And I, I believe that I'm, I'm probably one of those people too. I do not, I've never done a low carb, no carb kind of concept. And I find that I don't overdo it, but I definitely don't deny them. If I, you know, if I going to have a really good piece of bread, it's, you know, it's going to be real grainy and whole grain. And it, you know, I, I just incorporate those and I don't seem to notice a difference in how my body responds and how I feel. Now I've not been tracking blood sugars, but in terms of how I feel, I feel like they work well for me. Yeah. And it really, that it just showed me that all these things are nice, you know, the blood glucose monitor, the DNA profiles, although those are still in their infancy. But really, it all just confirmed what I already knew. Yeah. I didn't need any of those tests. I didn't need the continuous blood glucose monitor because I already knew what worked well. I already knew a smoothie made me feel yucky. So <laughs> then I saw why on the graph, why I can't, you know, but I, I'm sure there's people that can have a smoothie and feel great and energized and... But I went, whoop, crash. It felt terrible. It felt terrible. And, of course, we know that's quick energy for the body. But um, I, one of the smoothies had was made with chickpeas. You would think that that would – I do great with chickpeas, but not blended up. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it was already partially digested, you know. You, your body didn't have to do much of the work. Exactly. It was it was fascinating. So you use intermittent fasting with, with patients at this time? Well, at this time, so far, all I've done with the patients is in my classes. So to doing those intermittent fasting, trying to get people on board with that. More so with, I also teach a uh, diabetes class that I've had several patients that have said that their doctors recommended they do intermittent fasting or have put them on 16-8 protocol. And so that was as early as I would say last fall, maybe that I'd heard people saying that. So that's 
feeling good because I know it's coming. I know people are getting more and there's the research there. There's the articles. And, you know, I attached all those articles to people that asked me about it because I want them to read it. I want them to do the research. I want them to read the books. I feel like the, the evidence is there and I would like to do it more with my patients. Sometimes working in, as an inpatient dietitian, have to take a different angle sometimes and, and work on the moment. <laughs> sometimes they're not into hearing about losing weight. They just, you know, want to, what do I need to do to get out of here? That, that's a whole different relationship. Yeah. But I would like to have that opportunity and hopefully in the future, trying to come up with some type of a, of a clinic that we could have the doctors refer their patients to, that I could see them more than once, that there would be follow-up. There would be the opportunity to help them to actually incorporate intermittent fasting to help with their health and, and correcting their diabetes and such. I really feel like we are still at the very tip of the iceberg. I counted on my fingers. You know, 2014 was the first fall that I was living this as a lifestyle. So this is the seventh fall yeah. that I've been doing it. So it feels like forever. It feels like the momentum is suddenly about to just burst. And it's going to be, I mean, I know it's it's, quote, mainstream, but I just feel like we're at the verge of it really making a difference in the health of people. You're exactly right. I mean, my daughter had a um, deviated septum surgery just this past Thursday, and I was kind of, of course, I took her to my hospital, <laughs> and um, I was kind of like, oh, geez, I'm going to be like bored for like five hours. I won't know what to do with myself. You know, I won't have my seven-year-old mom, mom, mom constantly. So I brought some reading materials, and I had such great conversations with the doctors and the nurses that were coming in to me and asking me about intermittent fasting. And we talked about it that before I knew it, it felt like 30 minutes. They were already saying, oh, she's, you know, in recovery, she did great. And it was just like, okay, this is happening. You know, this is being seen no longer as a fad. People are seeing this as a viable way to treat obesity, diabetes, you know, a slew of other health conditions that through not necessarily what they eat that will come in time, but when doing that time-restricted eating and giving their body a chance to heal. And it was just, it was so great because I felt like, wow, this is really happening. We have come so far. Like you said, we're on the verge of it just taking off and we're going to see more and more. And when I did my very first Zoom, I had over 70 people signed up to attend. And so that to me was like, wow, people really want to hear about this. In a couple of weeks from today, I'm with a major insurance company has asked me to speak to their wow. people. Like I'm doing it on online is it's like, yeah, and that's really exciting. You know, they've been studying fast feast repeat at this insurance company <laughs> and they reached out to me and they're like, would you do a presentation? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that is wonderful. It, it really, really is because people are are listening and and you know when the healthcare professionals are, are doing it and, and recommending it, that's how the, the world gets changed and the paradigm shifts. It's given me the, the tinglys. <laughs> oh, it is. And it, that, you know, and that's a great place to start because so many people that work in insurance companies, those are desk jobs. Those are jobs where they're working long hours. They are sitting for long periods of time. You know, it's the sitting is the new smoking. And we've got to nip it in the bud and help these people to do something. And I think that's a wonderful place to start to get out there. That's wonderful. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Oh, there's a couple things there. So I wish I would have found it sooner. <laughs> I definitely wish I would have known more about it. I wish I would have seen your book in 2016, your very first one come out. So that's one thing. I, I think it would have maybe changed the direction, not necessarily uh, being a dietitian, but definitely how I approached it or how I taught it. And again, for my myself as well. My dad um, passed away with um, Parkinson's disease January of this year. He had it for over tw almost 22 years. And with all the studies showing the health benefits associated with prevention of Alzheimer's and dementia and Parkinson's, and I, I think had I known, I really wish I could have done something that maybe there would have been an impact on his life. Did he also have dementia along with it? Yeah, towards the end. My grandmother, same. She, she passed away from Parkinson's and she had dementia as well. So it's it's a hard thing to watch, isn't it? Heartbreaking. It is, mm -hmm. it is definitely very, very well, I'm heartbreaking. So sorry. 
Thank you. And ditto. Um, yeah, I, it's so for myself, I want to protect myself in my family. And, you know, if we can do anything fast to prevent this from happening, because it was a horrible thing to, to watch him live through, especially the last couple of years was the worst. It was hard. Yeah. My grandmother, I, I, I almost feel like the dementia might have been a blessing because she would have hated it. It's it, like she didn't really realize what was happening, but she was so she was just an amazing woman, you know, in her 40s and 50s. And then to see it, it's hard. So yeah, you're right. Being able to age well is one of my biggest motivators. Yep, I agree. And that that's what I want. Uh, I want to be healthy. Definitely knowing knowing about sooner, but then also trust the process don't just go by that scale. And I know a lot of people talk about that all the time because even in myself, my weight will fluctuate on a really good day. I'm 136 and on the next day I'll be 141. And it's like, I've done nothing different. Oh no, I gained so. four pounds. What's wrong with me? <laughs> right, right. You're like, okay, okay. It's just a number. It's just right. data. Yeah, it's just yeah, data. Yeah. So yeah, trust the process and enjoy the process. I mean, I'd have to say I've learned so much and just in the last year even about intermittent fasting and our bodies that you thought you already knew. Right. But you were open minded. You were ready to replace that outdated information with new information and change lives. Absolutely. Well, Autumn, it has been great to talk to you today. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G I N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.